Hey everybody, you're listening to Does It Suck, a movie podcast where we watch movies and decide if they're terrible. I'm Sam. I'm Chris. I'm Stefan. And we're sitting on our couch in our apartment in Brooklyn together, and we're getting ready for episode three of Does It Suck. This week's movie, 1984's Dune, directed by David Lynch. What's it about, Chris? I'm going to do my best to describe what happens in this movie just bear with me because I'm not totally sure what happens in this movie. Uh, but as far as I understand it, the film is set 20,000 years in the future, and uh, there are warring planets uh, fighting over the spice trade, and the spice is a, a, a substance that helps people travel through time, and it's kind of like a drug, but it's super important to everybody. Uh, our main character is played by Kyle MacLachlan. His name is Paul, which is the most boring name for any hero, messiah-like character. Although he does eventually rebrand himself as Mahdi. <laughs> That's true. He does go through a rebranding session. And the evil guys, the Harkonnens, want to kill him because he is kind of like a messiah and might be the savior of everybody else in the world or in the planets and the galaxy. I should, cl- I, should, okay. I should clarify that we've recorded this after we've already watched the movie and talked about it, and this is still the best that Chris can do to describe the plot of this film. Well, in Chris's defense, I, I, haven't, I haven't butted in because I don't think I could do any better, but, <laughs> but uh, I guess eventually Paul ends up on this planet that's just where all the spice comes from, and he becomes one of the, like, free people on the planet and learns to ride giant worms. And Captain Picard is there. Sting wants to kill Sting- Oh, Sting's there, too. And eventually... Possibly Sting's bassist. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, what else? What are we missing? All right, guys. So... <laughs> if you really want to know the plot of the movie, you should, you should stop right now and, and go watch the movie. And then read the book... And then read the Wikipedia page, and then and then you would probably mostly figure out what's happening in the movie. Well, because at that point you would have consumed as much about Dune as both Sam and I have, and clearly it hasn't done much for us. <laughs> so, no promises. Uh, I think before we hop into the movie, though, I I think it'd be interesting to talk a little bit about the production process of the film. It's obviously it's based on this famous science fiction book by Frank Herbert that at least Stefan and I have read. That's, it's, a, it's a great book, at least 14-year-old Sam thought so, and 14-year-old Stefan agrees, yeah, I think. Yeah, same. It was written in the 60s, and basically, since the book was written, they tried to adapt it. Went through a lot of different directors, producers, screenwriters. The most famous failed attempt, I think, was uh, Alejandro Jodorowsky's. There's even a, a documentary about it, and, but it you know, kept falling through because it is a difficult source material to adapt, and has a very loyal following but eventually uh dino de laurentis who i know mostly through like producing horror movies like uh the evil dead films and like a bunch of the halloween sequels ended up with the rights and tapped uh david lynch who i think was hot off elephant man david lynch faced with the choice between directing this film and the return of the jedi Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, David Lynch was in the running for Return of the Jedi and dropped out to do Doom. Whoa. Can you imagine how awful yeah. the Ewoks would be <laughs> with 
David the Lynch, like, <laughs> terrifying. Yeah. Nightmare. I'm so glad that didn't happen. And so instead, David Lynch signed on to this movie, and then eventually it came out, and nobody liked it. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty poor reviews, didn't make back its budget, and it's, it's one of these sort of famously bad sci-fi films from the 80s that tried, I think, tried to take advantage of how hot Star Wars and, and fantasy was, and wasn't ever able to capture an audience um, in the way the Star Wars films were. And even, even uh, David Lynch is not a fan of this movie, and there are certain cuts of it that he will not even allow his name to be associated with. And instead it'll say Alan Smithy. Yeah, I hope, I hope that uh, has really excited you to hear us talk about the movie. Um, so, uh, we, this, look, I think the synopsis thing is always, uh, is always an issue for us. Right, we, 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 we always just like break down in the middle of a synopsis and are just like, ah, just, ah, just forget it. <laughs> okay, well, uh, after all of that, uh, let's, uh, let's jump right into it. Uh, without further ado, here's us talking over Dune. <laughs> Actually, do you do you want to keep subtitles on? Because I don't know if we're making jokes. I feel like like I'm gonna miss. Yeah, might as well. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah, I was realizing. I was like, oh, it's we're, we're all just sitting here very quietly. <laughs> we can't recall what's going on. A messiah who would lead them to true freedom. The planet is Arrakis, also known as Dune. That's the name of the movie. <laughs> they said the name of the movie. Uh, and there's a there's a dune. There's a, oh, like the like the title. Makes sense. All right, guys. So I cheated. All right. And I looked up the cast and some of the crew of this film. Okay. I think you're in for a treat in these oh, opening no. credits. There's a couple. No, nothing bad. There's just okay, some okay. really there's some really kind of out there names that I forgot were in this movie. Oh boy. What? <laughs> yes, Toto did the music score in this film. And Brian Eno. Brian, Brian Eno. <laughs> what? How wild is oh, the score man. this movie about to be? Wow. What? What is? Uh, is that his mouth or? His <laughs> vagina. I believe it's meant to be his mouth. Okay, so. How, can one of you guys keep track of the plot? I'm, I've given up already. <laughs> oh, there he is. Hey, it's hey. Kyle MacLachlan. Boy, he looks so young. There's a lot of hair now. Wow, look how much hair Patrick Stewart has. <laughs> He's got like three on the left side and three on the right. Is it just me or is Kyle MacLachlan not very convincing, though, as, as like a tough fighter guy? Or as the resident of a future world. I mean, yeah. the problem with my problem with Colin McLaughlin is that he's not really convincing as anything I've ever seen him in, and like that he keeps ending up in David Lynch movies. It's just like always a, like a surprise to me. Yeah, but like him again. Oh, he's very sweaty. Everyone's been very sweaty in this movie. Mm. Man, I mean, the aesthetics so far have been pretty dope. Yeah, so far the sets are just the best part. You know who that is? Oh, uh, is that Sting? Yeah, Sting's in this movie. <laughs> I forgot Sting was in this. Look how hot Sting oh my is. God. Look, I, God, I hope he wears that outfit the whole movie. 
Looks like we made it to Dune. Do you think looking at all this footage of sand inspired Toto to bless the rains in Africa? <laughs> no. <laughs> High five. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> Finally got that joke. <laughs> so far, the like hearing people's thoughts is just feels so redundant. It's kind of like that's not that's not the point right. of movies. Really. Right. <laughs> this isn't a book. Right. This is a movie. <laughs> what is going on? has been like a very consistent low drone throughout this entire hmm. movie. That's the the Toto touch. <laughs> right. <laughs> Is this the climax of the movie? I think the movie's just started. <laughs> uh... They will call me Wadeep. Much better than Paul. Yeah. So how old is Colin McLaughlin? Honestly, he can't be—he can't be more than like five years younger than the woman playing his mom. <laughs> Maybe ten. Uh, he was born in '59, okay. so he would have been twenty-five when this movie came. Wow. Yeah, and what have you done? I've made fun of him. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Also, hmm. this was. Colin McLaughlin's first movie was the lead in Dune. What? I did not know that. Why was he... Like, well, it seems like such a weird casting choice. Cause, and his second movie was Blue Velvet. Sting's looking hot as what shit. What is Sting wearing? See, if we had a Facebook, I'd be, be posting a picture of Topless Sting uh, being watched by Topless Chris. <laughs> and actually, we probably all need to take our shirts off. Actually, if we're gonna do that. The holy warriors. What? No one ever dreamed there were so many. You gotta speak up. <laughs> Your leader has asked me and my mother to teach you the weirding way to crush the Harkonnens. You get weird in here. Glad Captain Picard came around to the right side. Yeah, what the things? There wasn't much like suspense about it because I no. thought he was dead and I forgot he existed. Right. <laughs> I love that you have to say something every time you want to shoot your gun. <laughs> I also like that, like the power that he bestowed upon everybody was just like these new nifty guns. Right. Also, is it just me, or do the guns, like, half the time there's something, some sort of light that comes out, and half the time it just looks like they're pretending? Yes. yes. It's not just you, actually. <laughs> That's, that is what happened. What's happening? It's because sometimes you don't say the word right. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, check it. Oh, shit. All right. Shiriosa. Uh, uh, <sighs> uh, That's the end. Oh, that's that's a great credit sequence. Ooh. And Sting as himself. Yeah. I mean, Toto did a great job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just listen to that. It's beautiful. 
All right, guys, so we're back from the movie. Uh, what'd you All guys right. think? Um, I'm not totally sure what happened. Um, okay, so Stefan, you and I have both read Dune. Yeah. And, and vaguely remember Dune. Yeah. Um, what do you think? Does, is it true to the source material? Is it better or worse for, for that? Uh, what are your thoughts? Well, frankly, I think it's much too faithful uh, for it to be a good movie. I think is the problem. Basically, all the things that I disliked about this movie were because it was adapted from the book Dune. And don't get me wrong, I liked the book Dune fine. I found it, but it's just very complicated and very literary. And both of those things don't tend to translate well to um, Hollywood blockbusters. There are definitely times when they could have done more to, like adapt a script to be less literary. Instead, there are scenes where the characters literally just talk to each other about what's going to happen or what has happened or who other people who aren't in the room are. Mm-hmm. And that's not an interesting way to get introduced to the world and to the characters. Thankfully, um, one of the things I really liked about this movie was how interesting and weird the sets and costumes and creatures were. So at least... Um, as we found almost immediately, um, we were way more interested in looking at and talking about the stuff in the shot rather than paying attention to the story, which I think is doesn't uh, doesn't speak well to a movie when that happens within the first ten minutes or so. Mm. Yeah, from from Sting's speedo outfit to the <laughs> vagina face monster, there's always something to look at on screen. <laughs> Frankly, I think if they took. Even if they use the same actors and uh, the same sets and creative team and just wrote a script that took place in all the same places but was completely different, I think it would be a much better movie for it. <laughs> so, so Stefan, what you're saying is basically you would have preferred Dune without Dune. Right. Basically the, the original story version of this. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this, this, this is a good hopping off point because I we spend the first 20 minutes being told who different characters are and and seeing brief flashes of them and then immediately forgetting who they are and getting confused about which side this person's on and who they're betraying and it's just it's not a good way to introduce you to a totally new futuristic world I mean I I think the obvious like counterpoint is, is Star Wars where you get 30 seconds of text crawl that tells you who the good guys are, who the bad guys are, and then the first shot of the film, you immediately see the, the destroyer coming at the Republic ship, and you know who the good guys are, who the bad guys are, and everything is so clearly laid out for you visually. Because, I mean, it lays out, like, super important information, but like you were saying, it's so uninteresting that if you don't get it in that first 20 minutes, you, you're just also just lost for the rest of the movie, I feel like. I don't know. The thing is, I don't know if that's necessarily true, because I... I forgot a lot of stuff, but then, it, you know, you get, they finally get to the spice planet and things start happening, and it doesn't matter what, what <laughs> I was told at the beginning of the movie. I right. you just figure it out, right. because it's like, you know, you, it, here's <laughs> Kyle MacLachlan, and here's Captain Picard, and now they're on an adventure, and things are finally happening. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's all that you really wanted in, in the first place anyway. True. Right, and, and also, 
the way that it's supposed to work is that you watch characters do things that are good or that are bad, and that helps you determine whether a good, they're a good guy or a bad guy. So all the discussion of who's good and who's bad through these like many, many conversations becomes irrelevant because as soon as you... It's like I couldn't... I honestly couldn't keep track of who was who until they started actually doing things. And then I was like, oh, right, right. this is the bad guy because he like is mean and he killed this like random slave and like kind of in a sexual way though and uh also he's like more sweaty than everyone else so I th- <laughs> that seems to be a good visual indication rather than like hearing him talk about like backstabbing or whatever whereas like you know Darth Vader walks onto the republic ship ominous music plays he chokes out a guy <laughs> and that's he's, it he's the bad guy right also his costume is right. is so <laughs> terrifying <laughs> right. well yeah so i mean that also goes back to, like, for this movie, it works for when we get to, like, see the Baron for the first time. Like, he's obviously just a disgusting human being and incredibly evil. We don't even see him until, like, 20 to 30 minutes in the movie, I yeah. think. Well, that's the other thing about the way the book is structured is that the the good versus evil is just so overcomplicated. Just the fact that it's this grand sort of, like, one planet's race versus another planet's race doesn't really get simplified, I think, in a in a uh, successful way. Um, yeah, it's the, the thing, the book's like somewhere between Star Wars and like a Game of Thrones thing. That there's a lot of political intrigue and it's, a, it's hard to fit that into a two-hour movie. Um, so in, in Alejandro uh, Jodorowsky's Dune, his original conception of it was like a 14-hour like mini-series movie thing. Mm. And where you really get into all the politics and that kind of thing. And I, I don't think I would ever watch that. Mm. But I, <laughs> I think that's... I, think that's, uh, it's, I mean, it's, it just shows that there's so much in that world. And you definitely have to make compromises in terms of, like, the political intrigue while having, like, a, a, a more standard sci-fi fantasy film. Right. I like I like the Game of Thrones comparison because I think I found that to be a really interesting, fairly successful way to adapt a dense novel, and I think that this movie is a particularly strong case for why that model is sometimes or often necessary. Mm. Another a piece, another part of this movie that feels like it carried over from the novel in a negative way is the extensive use of voiceover narration um but in kind of a a, in a method that i think feels particularly um novel-esque in that we especially as the movie progresses later and later into its two and a half hour runtime we have these scenes of characters basically we hear a character's thoughts as we see a shot of them thinking their thoughts which is like the dumbest film convention because it it literally feels like they took chunks of the novel and had the characters say them, but instead of having them say them out loud, even at least earlier in the movie, they were saying things from the novel out loud to other characters. We eventually get to the point where they're literally just speaking them directly to the audience rather than doing something to show what they're thinking. And it just feels just like such a strange choice for something that's supposed to be a visual medium and that doesn't really function in that way at all. I, I think that what you that that was the important part of what was upsetting for me was that it 
I didn't get it really, a lot of times I didn't get any insight. You know, the character's yeah. upset, we see a close-up of them upset, and then they literally say that they are upset, but like in a, in paragraph form. Right. And you don't, but you don't, it doesn't, it doesn't go deeper. Like I got the same amount of information with or without, for the most part, with or without their voiceovers. The, the, the question, of, though, of whether they, the voiceovers were added after the main production of the film brings up an important question, I think, though, of how much of that is David Lynch. Mm. Despite this film's troubled history and going through a lot of producers and directors, and even after the film was finished, there's a lot of different cuts. Throughout the film, for better or for worse, it is through and through a David Lynch movie. You know, at... At the risk of being too much of like a film studies major and subscribing to the auteur theory and attributing everything to David Lynch, what about what is lynching about this film that works and what is David lynching about this film that does not work? Um, I I think, and I think we all agree that the the way that the scene was handled handled in which Kyle MacLachlan is his righteousness is tested by uh, putting his hand inside this magic box that just makes his hand hurt a lot and seeing how long he can keep his hand in there uh, is uh, I thought that scene was handled really well despite the fact that the premise of it really feels like something that a high school bully would subject his victim his victims to <laughs> um, yeah no I mean I, I, I remember that scene from the book and um it's, it's a great scene in the book, but I obviously it's not something that's going to translate well to film. And But David Lynch does a good job of making it a little bit more interesting, and then we have these, like, sort of X-ray vision effects, and, um, you know, this is one of those times where the interior monologue of the characters actually works, because it's almost like they're having a separate conversation in their own heads to each other. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the times that I think it's actually effective. I think, I think this scene sort of is another example of this idea that it's David Lynch's aesthetic applied to a script that is too faithful to the book. Because I agree that he does really interesting things with this scene, but I think that if you were trying to adapt this movie, this scene, in a way that was interesting and uh, served its specific function in a more concise way... You would maybe rewrite the scene so that it was more of a dynamic visual proof of his worthiness rather than simply trying to do your best to make a weird literary scene visually interesting. So to contrast that scene with another scene, there's a montage uh, later in the film in which like Kyle MacLachlan, um, a.k.a. Paul, is basically... <laughs> Uh, teaching all of the freemen uh, the weirding ways, which is like the the ways of fighting. The weird um, ways. The weird ways. And um, usually a montage is, is exciting and you, you get a sense of all this progress happening and engaging. Think Rocky. Think Rocky. <laughs> but it, it just falls really flat. It's basically, it's basically like simplified to like one scene of Kyle MacLachlan standing in front of all of these people and like destroying a rock with 
his voice gun. And then they're Vadib! Vadib! There's two words also you can use to destroy yeah. things. That was confusing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there should really only be one word that you can kill things with. And it just, it's kind of a weird scene, the weirding scene. <laughs> right? Ooh. Right? It, the, basically, the whole point is, is that it's, it's a scene that, like, starts and you, like, we all mentally prepared for a training montage. <laughs> And, and the Toto music kicks in, and it, like, deliberately, immediately grinds to a halt. Like, almost, it's like cinematic blue balls, almost, that are just, like, I wanted a, a training montage. I was ready for it. And, and David Lynch just, like, didn't, didn't want to make one. <laughs> yeah. It, it, and it's sort of, uh, the emotional arc of this movie really is mostly just a flat line, and I feel like moments like that are some of the most blatant examples of that where you it feels like there were these deliberate decisions to take very opportune situations that could really build excitement or build uh tension and and just like suck all of that potential out of it and like keep it at this like sort of low drone throughout the entire the entire film i think part of it is yeah this is supposed to be an action movie but if you like look at other David Lynch films, this flat line of emotion is actually kind of throughout a lot of his films. But the difference is that you're all of these really surreal things are happening around these characters, and they enter in these surreal places, and it's the environment that really creates the intrigue and interest in David Lynch films and Twin Peaks specifically. So, for like an action film, it just doesn't translate because there's no sense of urgency and like excitement. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's, you know, David Lynch clearly is not interested in action sequences. You, you expect certain things, you expect certain genre conventions from films like this, and the way that this film deliberately delays or denies that is really interesting mm. in an intellectual sense, but when you're watching it, it's is kind of frustrating. Mm-hmm. Also, I just don't think David Lynch should ever make a sci-fi movie, because... Everything that is interesting about a David Lynch film is how it, in, in my opinion, how it relates to our reality. Mm. And so if you're in this entirely different world, it's like everything that's weird is just that world and not in yeah. comparison to my experience. So Yeah. Great. All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Cool. So let's go watch uh, any other David Lynch <laughs> yeah. movie. All right, guys. So... Once again, it's time to decide, does it suck? Who voted first? Who hasn't voted first I, I have not voted You've first. Not. Uh, if you want to ask. Sure. Sam, does Dune suck? No. Dune does not suck. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, who has to go All next? Right. I'm so torn. So, Chris, does Dune suck? Yes, it. I think it does. I'm really torn, but I think, yes, it sucks. Stefan, deciding vote. Here we go. Does Dune suck? I have to figure out which of you I like more. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think Dune sucks, yes. Oh. <laughs> as, All right, as... hold on, hold on. No, 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 overruled, overruled. Hey. This, is, this is my podcast idea. I can't be wrong. <laughs> I'm, I'm disbanding, veto. veto. <laughs> Dune 
You can't do that. This you is, can't. No, no, no. I, I decided. We have to agree. We've always agreed with what I find. <laughs> He's going to edit it out. He's gonna... <laughs> <laughs> well, this one just won't. But at the end, there just won't be a vote. They'll <laughs> <laughs> leave it up to the audience to decide. Yeah. I, so, okay, well, so as the main, the one detractor, like, yeah, you should, you should have some, yourself. have a Okay, I mean, clearly this is, I think this is far from a perfect movie, but I think it's an interesting movie. Um, mm. Parts of it are very slow. They're clearly, uh, Kyle MacLachlan's performances all over the place. But it's a beautiful movie. It's a weird movie. Um, they make some pretty bold decisions. Not all of them pay off, but there are a few of them I think are, are, are really great. The score is fantastic. Mm, that's true. Um, I don't, there's, there's enough things that I find really interesting about this movie to say that it, it definitely does not suck. It might not be a great movie, but it definitely doesn't suck. I, so... I kind of agree with you because the more that I think about the movie, the like the more that I find interesting, the more that I like it. But I just keep having to return to my experience watching the film and just how displeased I was throughout it, and how confused and just sidetracked I got and just bored. Bored. I was yeah. pretty bored. So that's that's what I keep returning to. I think there's a, like incredibly interesting things about this movie and really engaging, really. Really cool things, really weird things, and really fun things. But I, I just, I, I really didn't enjoy my experience watching the movie, and that's what it comes down to for me. That, yeah, that being said, despite my defense of it, I don't need to see this movie again for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Though, I mean, the fact that it's two and a half hours doesn't help that either. Um, well, Stefan, would you like to gloat? <laughs> uh, no, I... I feel like it's kind of bittersweet because it'd be one thing if I was on the winning side and we thought it was a good movie and at least it'd be like, yes, together we had a good experience, but this just proves that the majority of us didn't have a good time watching it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But, but Stefan still maintains the perfect voting record. That's Stefan, true. Stefan is the most... I'm winning right now. <laughs> Also, I feel a bit like a curmudgeon because I I've yet to say a, a movie does not suck. <laughs> so <laughs> we need to choose a new movie next week. Mm. Paul Blart Mall Cop. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> um, so I, I think that that wraps it up for this episode. Mm. Um, thank you guys for listening and tuning into our SoundCloud. Hopefully soon we'll figure out a, another way to get it to the Ooh. masses and bring it to the people. Sure. Um, anything else you guys want to say? <laughs> so, How do you, buddy? Yeah, as is tradition, we still have not figured out a sign-off uh, for, for ourselves. So I think we, we just want to say uh, everyone have a good night or a good day. And, um, uh, Monty! 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 Monty!